We're going to continue in our study of the book of Numbers, chapter 27, and we'll probably look at Numbers chapter 27 next Sunday, but the Sunday after that and then Christmas Eve morning, we'll look at the incarnation. What a mystery and what a glory it is for the church, the incarnation. God come in the flesh for the redemption of his people. We're going to continue here in the book of Numbers chapter 27 with five sisters that shares with us their great faith in God that they too, as they brought their petition before Moses and then it was given to the Lord by Moses, as they brought their petition and it shares in that petition the great faith that God had given them that there would be inheritors in Canaan. And more than that, as we find today, they were sharing with us their faith that they would have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. How important that is. Faith is so powerful. Faith is God-given. You know, when we go to our well of faith, I, I remember hearing messages when I was younger about small faith or mustard seed faith or great faith. And they were always encouraging people to have more faith in God and that it's up to you to have more faith. And if you study more and you visit more and you do all these things, you'll have more faith. You know, our well of faith is dry. It's bankrupt. It was bankrupt in the fall. We don't have the capabilities of doing what we're commanded to do, but we do have a great God that is king of all that gives us the capabilities of doing that. We are granted faith in the new birth. God gives us the faith to believe. It is the result of God giving us a resurrection to newness of life, and these five ladies are demonstrating that. We find that there early on in this chapter that these five sisters, it shares with us that they trace their line back to Joseph. And then we could go right back to Adam and we find in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we read that in Adam all died. You know by nature all five of these young ladies, all five of these sisters had fallen in Adam and they were bankrupt when it came to faith and they had no ability of their own to do anything that was spiritual or respective of God. They were too enmity with God. They were also in that same lot that we find all of God's elect in by nature. We find that they could trace their line back to Joseph. You remember what Joseph said before he died? You're going to leave this place. And when you leave this place, take my bones. I don't want them left in this place. And you know what? The children of Israel took his bones. He knew by the faith given to him by Almighty God that these people were going to be in the land of Egypt for a long, long time, but eventually God would be pleased to take them out in the fullness of time when it was the right time, God would deliver his people from the position that they were in. And that's what God does with every one of his lost sheep today in the fullness of time, at the right time, when it pleased God. And yet he said, when you leave, take my bones. What a testimony that is uh, passed down. But did you know what? Those five descendants of Joseph did not have faith because they were related to Joseph. Who we're related to doesn't make any difference. 
Who's our forebears? Doesn't make any difference. I'm thankful that it doesn't because I would not have been where I am dependent upon my forebears. I find it very difficult to go back in the history of my family and find anybody that knew anything about the gospel. So I'm thankful that in the proper time, in the right time, God brought me to hear the gospel and God saved me by his grace. And now I can share what God must do in order for us to have faith. You know, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and we spent a little bit of time there last week, but would you turn there with me for just a moment to the book of Hebrews chapter 11? There's so much said in this book of Hebrews chapter 11 about faith. Now, I'm convinced that there were more that knew about the faith of God's elect than just these, but they are serious examples for us. They are there on purpose. God put them in this book to share with us the importance of having faith. The scriptures tell us in the book of uh, Luke 17, if you had faith, as the grain of mustard seed. Now, I looked that up, and for my friend up in Canada, that's one to two millimeters. (laughs) It's uh, not much. The size of a seed of mustard. And in English, that is a .04 to .05 hundredths of an inch. Very minuscule. It's small. You could have hundreds of them in your hand at at one time. And you know what Jesus said? If you had faith as the grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed and it would be removed. What is he telling us before we get to the book of Hebrews chapter 11? You don't have any. It is nothing compared to what is necessary. He's not telling us, oh, if you, have a, if you have mustard seed faith, you can do this and on. He's telling us just like he did when it comes to uh, as a, a camel can go through the eye of a needle. Just as possible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is impossible. It is impossible to have the faith that we need to trust God about anything. Our faith, if it was the size of a grain of mustard seed, what power we would have. So he just said, you don't have anything. You have nothing to fall back on. Your faith is bankrupt, just like the rest of you. All right, but in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we find a long list of folks that God had dealt with in a miraculous way. He had given to them the new birth. They had heard the gospel through the preaching of Christ, They call him the Messiah in the Old Testament. We call him Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, whatever term we want to show respect. It's not just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in the book of Numbers, we find in that long list, and we read a little bit of it last time, and I'd like to read just a little bit more today that shares with us this great faith that God gives, the faith he gave to those five sisters that they would come. And we will find out that they did not come in a snit. They did not come angry. They did not come demanding. They did not come with any of that. They came seeking the will of the Lord, and we'll see that in just a moment. All right, in Hebrews chapter 11, we read there early on, but in verse 4, let's look at that. Verse 4, it says there, 
By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. He offered a sacrifice that typified what was necessary for him to be saved. He offered a substitute. He said, I'm a sinner and I need a substitute. And it pleased God. Why? Because he gave him that faith. Oh my, to be given God-given faith, to be given faith of God, to be given the faith of God's elect, to be given faith whatsoever of any kind. It is powerful that God would give us himself, and we call it faith. By faith, Abel offered. Notice in verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. You know what? He believed that. He believed it. Why? Because God gave it to him. You know, as we travel down through here, we find by faith Noah, being warned of God, verse 7, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. It had never rained. You know, he didn't ha- never woke up to what we woke up this to this morning. Never woke up. Nancy's brother wrote and told her they had, what, three inches of rain in 24 hours over on the coast. You know, that's a lot of rain. People get rain all over. Noah never knew the sensation of rain. And yet God told him, build an ark. And guess what Noah did? God gave him the faith to believe God. And he went and built an ark. There's no doubt in my mind that there were a lot of people, even his own relatives, that called him a little stupid. They had something built. There's something being built that had never been built. And that was an ark. All the timber. Oh, can you just imagine? All the waste that could go into houses. It went into an ark. And then God fulfilled his promise to Noah, and it did rain. And it rained and rained and rained 40 days. And it destroyed everybody on the face of this earth except for eight people that were preserved in the ark. You know what? We need that same preservation in our ark, the Lord Jesus. In verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out of a place, he left. I don't know where I'm going, but I've been told to go. Have you ever found yourselves in that same situation? I don't know what I'm here, why I'm doing this, but I've been led here. By faith he sojourned in a land, in a land of promise. You know, that's the place that we're going to read about that those five sisters came and asked about was a piece of property. But their mind is far greater because we read here in verse 10 that not only did Abraham look for that property, that the physical promise of God. You know, God makes a lot of physical promises to us. We have places to live, food to eat. He may take that away tomorrow. But at this moment, those promises are being fulfilled. But they're much more better in spiritual promises because it goes on in verse 10 for he looked Abraham looked for a city whose which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God he's looking at things from a spiritual context he's looking at things from a spiritual reality he's looking for Mount Zion he's looking for the heavenly city he's looking for the church he is there with a view of spiritual things God gave him the ability by faith to believe God and he was able to see things that nobody else could see he was given that faith and then it talks about Sarah you know you go to the old testament she laughed about being told she's going to have a baby at 90 years of age Here in the New Testament, under the blood of Christ, there's none of that mentioned. Aren't you thankful that under the blood, 
We don't have any of our past mentioned before Almighty God. It's taken care of completely. It's our sins are forgiven, are paid for. As we heard that word, it's finished. Payment is made in full. Well, she had a baby at 90 years of age and raised that baby. And then it goes on here in the book of, uh, uh, in verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. What promise? He's going to come down with that, from that mountain with you. You are commanded to take him up on that mountain and offer him up as a sacrifice, but he had the promise that he would bring that son back down. Of whom it was said that Isaac shall be thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up. You know, that's God's faith. That's not great faith. That's God's faith. That's the faith he gives all of his people. We say, I don't have much faith. You don't have any faith. We have faith given to us. It's in our account. It's in our bank account. It's in our checking account. God gives it to us. And so it says they're accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, for whence also he received him in a figure. It was a type, a shadow, and a picture of what God would do in Christ Jesus our Lord. He'd raise him from the dead. It's going to be far greater than just a picture. You know, he was stopped from thrusting a, a knife into his own son's body. He, by faith, understood that if this took place, he would raise him from the dead and they would all come down. What did he tell the tenders of the mules? We'll be back. We'll be back. He didn't say, I'll be back. He said, we'll be back. And then God stopped him. And there, caught by his horns, was a ram caught in a thicket. And Abraham turned around there and slew the substitute. And that ram became a picture and a type and a shadow of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And they both came down off of that mountain. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob, verse 20. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon his staff. And by faith, Joseph, verse 22, when he had died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. He gave, he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. 400 years later, we say, oh, that's great faith. No, that's God's faith. That's faith in God. That's faith in his word. That's trusting God. And how do we get that? Only through the new birth. God gives the gift of faith. God gives the gift of repentance. God gives it, and only God can do that. We find, turn with me while we're here in the New Testament, would you turn with me to the book of Titus chapter 1? In Titus chapter 1, we have this wonderful statement about faith. This faith, the faith of those five sisters, the faith of Moses, the faith of Joseph, the faith of Noah, the faith of Enoch, the faith of Cain, excuse me, not the faith of Cain, the faith of Abel, the faith of God's people. Here in the book of Titus, chapter 1 and verse 1, the scriptures share this. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. That's it. 
the faith of God's elect. Who gives faith to the elect? It's God. And the acknowledgement of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So as we go back, we find, well, on your way back to the book of Numbers chapter 27, stop by Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. This verse of scripture has been such a blessing to me because I often stopped with verse 26 and did not read verse 27. But let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 together. We've often said about the Spirit helping our infirmities when it comes to prayer. You know what? We absolutely depend on that. We find out by faith that is what we depend on. I don't know how to pray as I ought. Well, he goes on to tell us here, for we know not what to what we should pray as for as we ought, but the Spirit itself make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And you know what the church says? Hallelujah. <laughs> he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So these five sisters demonstrated faith of God given to them, and they understood that the children of Israel would indeed inherit the land, and they knew part was theirs. We know they did not make this demand, because we're going to follow this out. And we're not exercising selfishness. They're not selfish, they're not demanding, and they're not in a snit. Let's look over there in the book of Numbers, chapter 27. The book of Numbers chapter 27, as we follow this incident out, we find that every bit of it has been according to the will of God. He wants it carried out this way. That's why it's being carried out this way. They have faith in God, and that's why they come to Moses. And Moses has faith in God, and that's why he goes to God with this intercession. In the book of Numbers chapter 27, we read verses 5, 6, and 7. They brought this petition, Numbers 27... Verses 5, 6, and 7. They brought it before. They said, we don't have any brothers. Our father died in the wilderness. There's no sons. And you know they understood that if there was a son, the inheritance went to him. There was not going to be an argument over that. But there was no sons. They didn't have any brothers. And there are five of them. And our father died. And he didn't die with that Korah. Did you notice that psalm that Lauren read this morning? It says, to the sons of Korah. It's really made me interested in this. We go through the, the Psalms, how the children of Korah did not die with him. Now, only because of the grace of God. All right, here in the book of Numbers, chapter 27, verse 5, it says, And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. What a statement. My goodness. I remember... I was so used to, in the religion I was in, of people coming to me and asking me to pray for them on a special case, and they thought that I had a closer relationship with God than they did. You know, in salvation, I found out we're all equal. So don't ever bring me your prayer request without you praying about it first. You know, I will be glad to pray for you, but if you expect me to get the job done better than you can, you're looking to the wrong person. I didn't die for you. I, can't, I cannot do that. So we'll pray together. Share one another's requests, but we cannot intercede any different than anybody else. 
Moses couldn't do a thing about the situation. He knew who to go to, though. He didn't say, well, let's talk about this. He didn't say, you know, you're probably here on the wrong terms. He didn't say, you're probably in a snip because you're not going to inherit anything. You're probably having a problem with your dad and mother because they didn't have any boys. He never brought that up. What did he do? He came to the Lord. Oh, my goodness. How simple can that be? <laughs> let's just take it to God. We'll see what he has to say about it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now the Lord is there. Oh, I like that. How blessed it is to come boldly before the throne of grace because of the shed blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. We come without fear. We come in reverence, yes, but we don't come afraid. We come boldly to his throne because we are his children. And he said, come boldly. Make your petitions known unto me. The Father has given the the, in the covenant of grace, the privilege of the Holy Spirit interpreting them for us and leading us in the will of God with regard to our prayers. Now, if we pray amiss and we pray selfishly, that's, God's not going to be in that. And Lord only knows we've done enough of that. But he goes on to say, notice this. Notice what it says in the next verse. The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. I saw that and I just, hallelujah. My goodness, God said that, that they came by his authority to make this request, they speak right. Isn't it wonderful that when we take the word of God, that God can say to us, we speak right. If we bring our own thoughts and our own faith and our own interests, we're not speaking right. But when we come to God by his word, we can hear him say, you speak right. Right. That's why we read the Psalms. That's why we read the Word of God. That's why we base our services on God's Word. Not on some thoughts or some man or some other thing. We don't, we don't worship those things. We worship God. And we, we come to Him in His Word. The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren. You know what? Moses said, great. I love it. God's going to give them a possession. God's going to give them an inheritance. God, and he goes on beyond even the request of these five sisters. Notice what he goes on to say here. This is the Lord speaking. This is the Lord sharing. What his purpose, his will is in this matter. Not only do they speak right, and yes, they shall inherit. They shall inherit in Canaan. When we get over there, they're going to have their parcel among the children of Manasseh. He goes on to tell us here, they shall surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren, and shall cause the inheritance of their father to... Shall and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son, then ye shall cause his inheritance to pass to a daughter. You know, this is more information than Moses ever asked for. And don't we find out that when we go to the word of God? We got more than we asked for. He said, what about these five? And the Lord said, they have brought a right thing. Now let's go on beyond that, and God is revealing unto us. 
his will in this matter. If he does not have a son, it goes to the daughter. Now, verse 9, and if he have no daughter, then it shall give his inheritance unto his brothers. But it doesn't stop there. And if they have no brothers, then he shall give his inheritance unto his father's brothers. And if his father have no brethren, then he shall give his inheritance unto his kinsmen that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it, and he shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of a judgment as the Lord commanded Moses. My goodness gracious. As we look into grace, we find it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. There's no end to it. You cannot run out of it. You cannot use it all up. And the Lord demonstrated that right here. He said, you brought this issue up. Let's just continue with it. And we find out everybody in Israel has been covered in this subject because if it don't have a daughter, let it go to the brothers. If it doesn't have brothers... Let it go to the father's brothers. If it doesn't have a father doesn't have any brothers, let it go to the near kinsman. God took care of every bit of it. And it was demonstrated by these ladies that came and were filled with the faith of God's elect. God said, Jehovah said, they speak right. Can you imagine what God said when he when Paul went to Ephesus and preached. He speaks right. Can you imagine when he went to Philippi? When they wrote those books, he speaks right. What did the God of heaven say with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, here ye him. He speaks right. We heard read over there, and we find out that the inheritance, that a few words, I'd like to say a few words with the time that's left about this inheritance from a spiritual standpoint. Yes, they did want their property. Yes, they did want a possession of Canaan. Yes, that was given to uh, God's people. And we find over in the book of Exodus chapter 6, would you turn there with me? But this is just speaking of a in a physical way of a spiritual reality. Abraham was not interested in just having a piece of ground. He never owned a piece of it, but it was all given to him. He traveled in a tent, and he looked for what? A city, a permanence. He looked for permanence, a permanent place. You know, in places of the world, we call it civilization when people sat down and made a city. Sometimes we look back now and say, I don't know if that's civilization or not. But when people got together and they had enough time to grow enough food for them, they settled down in a permanent place. They were no longer strangers and sojourners. Isn't it wonderful to drive your car to your house instead of a tent? Or should I say walk to your house instead of walking to your tent? <laughs> Permanence. That's what Abraham said. He looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Now, here in the book of Exodus, chapter 6, 
the book of Exodus, it is true. We find that the Lord often speaking concerning the inheritance of and the heritage of his people in Cana is all along described as the heritage and the Lord had designed it for Israel. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 8, we read this. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 8. And I'll bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and I'll give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. That's the promise he made to the children of Israel. They would have this inheritance, a physical place that is used to describe a spiritual thing. The Lord tells us in the book of Psalm 16, Psalm 16, Look there with me in Psalm 16, as we think about this inheritance or this heritage in Psalm 16 and verse 5 and 6. What did those ladies really ask for? A city whose builder and maker was God. They're telling us of their faith in God in such a way that not, it's just not for a piece of property. They're demonstrating that they are spiritual Israel. Here in the book of Psalm 16, verse 5, it says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou manifest my lot. The lines are fallen upon me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. What is he saying? The heritage of believers is Christ himself. That's our inheritance. That's who we are looking to. That's what we have a grasp for. That's what we're anticipating. That place with Christ in whatever capacity it is. And so, and also in the book of Isaiah chapter 54, this is brought up. The book of Isaiah chapter 54. Turn with me there as we think about this heritage. Yes, they were looking for a piece of property, just like the rest of the Jews. And there were many of those that weren't looking for anything else. But there were a few according to the election of grace. If it had not been for a very small remnant, if it had not been for a very small remnant, we should have all been as Sodom and we should have all been as Gomorrah. That's what Isaiah was led to write. If it wasn't for a remnant according to the election of grace. Here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54 and verse 17, we read this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. He is our heritage, and our righteousness is his righteousness, imputed to us, given to us. And so we see in actuality when a people that know God there is a heritage that he has given to him, and the heritage that has been given to them is Christ Jesus the Lord. This is what his business is, is to make himself our heritage, the business of the church. In Psalm 142, I, uh, Psalm 142, back up there with me just a little bit. In Psalm 142, and there in verse 5, we read these words, I cried unto thee, O Lord, Psalm 142, verse 5. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Thou art my portion. You're my inheritance. 
you and by faith we come expecting that inheritance. Faith has blessed us in such a powerful way that we come expecting him as our inheritance. He is our inheritance. We're not looking for a piece of property. No, I think there's much said about heaven that isn't biblical, isn't there? People use all kinds of ideas. Uh, it's just amazed when you're visiting with people how many people think everybody everybody's going to heaven. It's a place. It's got all this. It's a person. The person makes the place. The young man was sharing with me he's going to see Grandma for Christmas. You know, we used to go to Grandma's. I loved it. She was such a special person. But she made the place. The place didn't make Grandma. She made the place good to go to. And that's the way the Lord is. He makes the place wonderful to go to. He is our heritage. I cried unto the Lord, oh, I cried unto the O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge. Yes, that's where I'm going to be. He is in my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Who put Moses in the cleft of the rock? And who puts us in the refuge? We don't have the strength to get there. I'm thankful he lifts us out of the horrible pit and sets our feet on a solid rock and puts a song in our heart and establishes our goings because we can't get the job done on our own. Oh, as we think about this, in the, one of the most lamentable books of all the Bible, we find a couple passages of Scripture that just... Lamentations. The la- Lamentations of Jeremiah. Turn there with me, if you would. Lamentations chapter 3. This guy is, oh, he's lamenting the condition of Israel. He's a prophet to Israel, and he's lamenting. And we find in here this passage of Scripture, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 24. It's just comparable to all what we find in the Scripture about the possession that the church has. Christ is our possession. In fact, our portion. Yes, our inheritance. Even as God shared with Abraham, I am thy exceeding great reward. Now in Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 24, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Now the converse of that means he didn't have any hope in Israel as being a nation because most of them had turned aside. There was no hope in that religion. There was no hope in being an Israelite, a child of Abraham through the flesh. That's no hope. We find out that many people during the times of the Lord Jesus would depend upon their relationship, physical relationship with Abraham. And he said, if you knew Abraham, if you believed Abraham, you'd believe me. But since you don't, you don't. Well, here we find this great prophet The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. What a statement in some of the worst lamentable condition a man could find himself in. He said, this is it. Much better than a piece of land, the Lord has given himself as our portion. I'd like to read a few verses in the New Testament at this time, and we'd like to start with the book of Galatians. Galatians, Christ is our inheritance. Truly, as Moses came out, oh, as the Lord spoke, he said, these ladies have said right. 
I've brought them to this point. I've given them the faith to come. They did not come angry. They did not come demanding. They did not come in a snit. They did not come with all of the things that so often happen so that things can happen. They came seeking the will of God in this matter. And God said they speak right. And besides that, let's go down the list of how I'm going to take care of this problem. Even till five different ways. And finally, if there's nobody, it goes to the near kinsman. Case settled. Here in the book of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, as we find the case is settled. What a statement we read here. Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, it says there, who gave himself for our sins. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, who gave himself for our sins. You know, that's something that all the bloods of bulls and goats could not take care of. It was only typical, it was pictorial, but Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. No one takes me, no one forces me. The covenant of grace has brought this to this place. And he has promised and carried out what was in the covenant of grace. I will pay their ransom price. And that will put them in a position that the Holy Spirit can come along after the preaching of the gospel and give them the new birth and they will believe me. It will not be, I don't know about that. It will be, oh yes. If God said it, it is what I believe. All right? In that same book, chapter 2 and verse 20, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, this is also brought out as he is our inheritance. He's our portion. He is what we inherit. He is our exceeding great reward. I am crucified with Christ. You know, that's an interesting statement. We read about the crucifixion of Christ this morning, hung on a cross, how hurriedly they had to get the job done so that they could get him off the cross before a religious holiday took place. All of that stuff. And then Paul looks back and led by the Holy Spirit to say, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you just hear those five sisters saying that? The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What did, what did Thomas say when he saw the Lord? You know, he's run down a lot because he wasn't at the, at the service when the Lord was there. We don't know. He might have been at the hospital with his mom. We don't know why he wasn't there. It doesn't mention that. But I know this, when he saw the Lord, the Lord said, put your fingers in my nail prints and put your hand in my side. You know what he said? My Lord 
He had a possession. My Lord and my God. He had a possession. His possession was the Lord. Why? Because Thomas was a possession of the Lord. My Lord and my God. What faith Thomas shares with us in that moment that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, we have this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Now notice this part. And gave himself for it. His whole being he gave for the church. He went to the cross. He suffered this despicable death of the cross. He satisfied all of God's demands, all the law, and cried, it is paid for, finished. And we have that inheritance. We have that portion. We have him as our possession. Oh, it's, it's nice to have a little piece of property, have a house on, go home, sleep in. I love sleeping inside a house instead of outside the house when the, it's raining. Mike mentioned to me this morning, wouldn't it be wonderful to be out camping right now and having about 10 inches of rain fall on top of you? And I said, yeah, and about three feet of snow. I like where I'm living. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the church's possession. I have given myself for you. And then, in the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6, who gave himself a ransom. That's an interesting word. That just goes right along with paid, finished. It's finished. Ransom, payment price, surety with a payment price. Gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. A ransom for all the church. And then finally in the book of Titus, in the book of Titus, turn there with me, verse chapter 2, verse 14. The scriptures share this. Chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us. This is the Lord's business, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the purpose of grace. Before the foundation of the world, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world to come and give himself for the church, to come and ransom the church, to come and pay for the church, pay for the sins who gave himself for us, Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all, do you see that? All iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You know, if the Lord gives us the grace to have a good work, it's because the Lord gives us the grace to have a good work. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's not one ounce that we can go away and say, oh, I can brag about that part. You know who the church brags about? Christ and Christ alone. Not works of righteousness, which we have done, but Christ and Christ alone. We don't go back and say, I had faith in the Lord. We go back and say, I'm thankful He gave me faith. I had none of my own. I was bankrupt, dead in trespasses and sin. And so 
Those five ladies came. Those five sisters came with a petition. And the Lord gave them more than they asked for. He gave them faith. And that faith reached within the veil, just like it does now. It reaches within the veil, where the Lord is. And we can find out, He is my inheritance. He is my portion. And there's not a scrap of land over there in Canaan today that the church should be after at all. Not a, not, not a square inch. Christ is our portion. Christ is it. And be thankful for the little place we have to put our house on. But when the time comes, that's not going to be of any value. Knowledge of Him will be of value. Faith in Him. The faith of God's elect. Brother Mike.